Welcome to the UHF 62nd bonus blowout rambling digression extravaganza where we are talking about close encounters of the third kind. And we are David. Or CE3K. CE3K. That was Jonathan. So you got David and Jonathan from UHF 62nd. And we are here to talk about this 1977. Or... Uh, uh, otherwise known as DJJC. <laughs> okay. And if you spell okay, okay, or that's an acronym. S-I-A-T-T-T? I don't know. Never mind. I can't do that anymore. <laughs> Thank you for not. <laughs> so what are, what are we doing? We're going to talk about this movie uh, that was referenced in uh, the movie UHF. And uh, we're going to pause, take a little time out from time to time to talk about uh, various movies that are referenced in the movie UHF. Um, uh, we just uh, want to talk about these movies a little bit longer um, or a little bit more um, directly than maybe the minute-by-minute -minute format would really allow for or be suited for. So that's what we're doing. And I watched this movie. So this is the first one that we've done, though, right? So why didn't we do Indiana Jones? This is the first one that we're going to do, unless I don't think that we've done it yet. We're doing it now, as far as I understand. We did not do Indiana Jones because there is a fabulous podcast all about Indiana Jones that you can that you should go listen to, um, Indiana Jones Minute, and it's really good. And we had them on. You should already know about them. You should already be listening to them. I'm probably wasting your time. <laughs> Yeah, don't. St why, why would you be starting on this episode? It's not even about UHF. Well, whatever that answer was that we didn't hear that you screamed into your headphones, it, it's not good enough. So go back, start at the beginning. Um, let me let's let's talk about this first. Let's how and when did you watch this movie? In what way did you watch this movie? For me, this is probably well. I think it's the most interesting thing about doing these special episodes for this UHF project is because there's a surprising number of these references that I didn't get because I haven't seen a lot of these movies. Um, even if I knew about them, uh, which is some of the stuff we're going to be talking about, even if I knew about them, I still hadn't seen them. So this movie is one of those movies and I hadn't seen it until like probably around the time that we started talking about doing this project. So probably about a year ago from this point. So this, so, um, so, so you've seen this movie one time. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, okay. You've seen right. it a couple times now. I, I saw it one time and then I actually bought it. The Blu-ray like collector's edition, 40, 40th anniversary collectors or something like that. Um, because I, I just liked it and it was on sale. So I bought it. I've seen it more times than Tabitha would probably like to admit so but you so the first time you saw it was what within the last calendar year yes okay uh and you i saw this yeah like you when i first saw uhf i didn't know that it was alluding to this movie and then i did see this movie maybe 10 years ago or so um and didn't remember it well um, but I have though I rewatched it uh, uh, like a, <laughs> about two months ago, 
uh, except for like the last 15 minutes, which I just watched last night. So <laughs> I'm a little uneven <laughs> on what I can recall and what I can't recall. Basically, I just want to talk about the end of the movie, <laughs> but, um, no, that's, that's fine. Yeah. Well, maybe, cause that's, but I don't want to get too in depth into like breaking down the movie. No. Unless that's something we want to do personally, cause everybody else is doing that. Yes. I just want to talk about our reaction to the movie. Yes. But the, so the format that I watched this on, which I think is important to note, is I watched this on the uh, Criterion Collection Laserdisc, which the spine number is uh, 125. So it's the 125th release that Criterion put out on Laserdisc. Uh, this is the CAV um, format encoded Laserdisc as opposed to the CAL, I think is the other format that uh, Laserdisc can be encoded with. But I, I wanted to... Now you're speaking in acronyms. Yes. Um, and I, I wanted to uh, mention that because uh, I really love Laserdiscs and I really like Criterion, but also because apparently this cut on this Criterion Laserdisc is different than any other, apparently Spielberg uh, had a, a couple tweaks that he made to this Laserdisc edition that isn't um, in any other cut of the film that you can obtain. And I thought that was super cool, and then I lost interest, so I don't know what the changes are. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the Blu-ray that I have is supposed to have like three different versions on it, and I don't, I still don't know which one I've seen, and I don't know if I prefer any of one to the other. Well, hopefully we've actually seen the same movie. Maybe. <laughs> Did yours have uh, Richard Dreyfus in it? Yes. Okay. Or that's a good start. And his younger brother. Not really his younger brother, but there's a guy in there that I think seems like they're kind of brothers. Are you referring Actor to uh, Bob Balaban? I don't know. Is that the bearded guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's the the choreographer. Yes. The map maker. So really one of the reasons I'm mostly excited to talk about this movie is because Bob Balaban is awesome. You may recall him from uh, a bunch of Christopher Guest films like Waiting for Guffman and A Mighty Wind. Oh. Or if you're a, yeah. yeah, yeah. or perhaps you saw him in the really awkward bathroom scene in Midnight Cowboy. So in Waiting for Guffman, is he the guy that's trying to talk them out of doing the play? And then he's like, well, you have to set it and forget it. Yes. He's like, but they yeah. haven't learned it. Yeah. Yep. It's, like, it's like, well, we're skipping that step. Okay. Also, um, there's a, I, here's a really obscure. So, um, Douglas Trumbull did, uh, special visual effects for this film. Uh, Douglas Trumbull, also famously did a lot of special visual effects for 2001 A Space Odyssey. Bob Balaban did not appear in 2001 A Space Odyssey. However, Bob Balaban was one of the main... Because he was a baby? Uh, Bob Balaban was the star child, you're saying? I, I don't know. I like it. I, I'm just imagining how old he must have... He might not have been a baby. Might have, I don't know. He would have been a... Maybe. Not a... Yeah. I don't know. We'll say he was a baby, and they used him. They made the mold for the Star Child. They sculpted based on his uh, baby photos. But he was nice. then, uh, because he did have that kind of tangential um, relation to 2001 Space Odyssey, he got cast because of that in 2010, the year we make contact, and he's one of the main characters in that film. So eight years ago? Yes. Eight years ago. <laughs> yep. <laughs> But uh, so, yeah, I'm glad Bob Alban was right here on the list of things that I needed to talk about. So we got that going on. Um, another person in this film that I think that we need to talk about, because uh, as uh, frequent listeners will know, we're building a very strong case that UHF 
is a French film. Yeah, of course. So Close Encounters of the Third Kind has um, Francois Truffaut, I believe is how you pronounce his name, or Francis Truffaut. I'm not sure. Um, but uh, he uh, is in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and he is a famous um, French film director, um, famous for such films as uh, The 400 Blows, Day for Night, Jules and Jim, Shoot the Piano Player, on and on and on and on. So I think that probably that was the main reason that Al Yankovic picked Close Encounters as one of the things that he wanted to parody was because of that French cinema connection. Um, we know because it's a French film, it's really steeped in a lot of French uh, culture and references and things like that. And I think that we'll see as we talk about these other films that are parodied within UHF, we'll start to see the uh, French uh, connection, so to speak. Yeah, um, he should have parodied the French connection. <laughs> You'll say we're not actually watching French Connection, are we? I've never seen that. It's well. Maybe we should. Yeah. I mean, you probably haven't ever seen it because you spent too much time picking your toes in Poughkeepsie. <laughs> I have a story of a like close encounter of the French kind. I don't think I've shared that story on here yet. No, please do. We actually had a French exchange student when I was like in third grade or something like that. He was only there for a month, I think. Uh, or here. You know, he was with us in America for a month. That was that was interesting, especially as a third grader. He didn't really know what what to think, and oh, because in preparation we actually took like these little French classes. Um, so you would think like I would that's, know how that's to speak some kind of French. French people can be you know normal size; they don't have to be little. Just so our audience knows. <laughs> I don't even remember what I said. That that's a reference. A to. Little French. You said you took little French classes. Oh yes. Wee wee wee! Wait, no, that's yes, that's French, but that no, that's not what I meant. Yeah, so you would think I would know some French, but I I really don't. Uh, I do remember that we learned how to sing the first verse of Puff the Magic Dragon in France, in France, French, France. So we videotaped that and we sent it over for them to feel welcomed. I guess that they were going to be seeing us soon, and we could sing Puff the Magic Dragon together. I don't know. I don't even know if that's a song <laughs> that they sing over there. But the the first line was pretty. It was kind of cheap because it was Puff. Le Puff Le Ma- Wait, no. So it's Puff Le Magic Dragon. In French, it's Puff Le Dragon Magique. I'm like, oh, well, that's easy to remember. And the only thing I really remember was that he had a very distinct smell. And I'm not saying it was a bad smell, but I think it was like a very clean smell. Like there was some kind of just some kind of odor to it. Like, I don't know, like, like kind of like bleach, but not bleach or something like that. Did he smell little? He, he did smell little, but I was little too, so we were little together, I guess. Little noses. I didn't really have a point to that story. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how that's how I am with with this movie, where I didn't really take a lot of notes. I didn't uh, pay attention to actors and actresses. I mean, I did when I was watching it, but I mean, as far as preparation for this, it was more just like how this movie fit in with UHF, and I'm going to say it was it was pretty recent to... The time that we were recording this right now, I mean, within a couple of years anyway, of I didn't even know what this mashed potato thing was referencing. I knew it was a reference because it was very pointed and I knew it was something. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I knew that when I watched it the first time. I almost think I, I think I knew that and then I watched it, but I still didn't understand the context that it was going to be in. And so when the scene happened, I was like, oh, it's that. Uh, yeah. Um, and I kept waiting for that 
to happen in Close Encounters um, a lot earlier on than I than it did, and or for that to be, it's not really actually all that pivotal in Close Encounters when it does happen. No, and he he actually kind of like not fudges the line, but he, he kind of trails off. Where in UHF he says the whole line very clearly. Mm-hmm. In the movie, he kind of trails off. Let's. I want to talk about. Speaking of trailing off, he kind of trails off into the sunset on his family. I feel like, yeah, like he's kind of the recipient of a really weird. So you're going to be a part of mankind encountering aliens, which is a huge historical earth shattering or earth changing event. And you're basically going to take that opportunity that you've been thrust into and use it as an excuse to abandon your family. That's kind of what I got out of the first two thirds of the film is like, he's been trying to figure (laughs) out how to leave his wife or divorce his wife or whatnot because he, there's so many scenes. So yeah, he's seen some things. He's seen like some of the ships, you know, he has the, the, the very cool scene where he's in the truck and like everything goes to zero gravity and everything's floating around in the light and everything, you know, he's had some experiences for sure. That would rattle me. That would rattle anyone. You know, but he's like his wife is not very understanding, but he's doing everything possible to like cash in on the he's not doing anything at all to um like reel <laughs> her back in or reel himself back in. You know, she's like, you're going crazy. Well, and he kind of just goes with it. Like there's the scene where he's like flinging potted plants through his kitchen window. I guess I saw that as. I, I didn't think it was something like he just, you know, he, he tasted root beer and then he's like, I have to have every root beer in the world. Basically, something had been like imprinted on him and that he was compelled. He couldn't even stop himself. I guess you could it could be a parallel for addiction or it, what I think is really going on is that it's really just a parallel for like anything where you have your like your own little revelation or, or just your, your moment of clarity, whether it's a religious thing or, or whatever. But you just kind of like see something that other people around you just aren't seeing, maybe because you're having some issues, or maybe because you're you just on a different wavelength, I guess, and just how that might cause stress in your relationships or or something. I don't know, but I think it's supposed to be kind of a a hopeful thing in the end that there's something good, positive happening. Yeah, but, but it is very awkward at, at moments. Yeah. Um, and I, I agree with what you're saying, um, to a certain extent, but I still just feel like, you know, the, the way that he goes about, so this is imprinted on him, you know, and he needs to explore this or go down this path. That's fine. I understand that. But the, again, like the way that he chooses to manifest that is just completely maniacal and crazy. Um, uh, like he, you know, if he wants other people I, to come with him, he is not going about it the right way because he's just like gets really unhinged and uh, and then uh, you know also to further bolster my um theory that this is just like the perfect excuse to um uh, ditch his wife you know they you know he at the towards the end he does kiss um oh um julian uh i can't remember i think that's the character's name julian the actress is uh, melinda dillon uh at the end the blonde actress who loses her uh son or whose son gets abducted. Yes. Who, by the way, um, is in Paul Thomas Anderson's Magnolia. So I was happy I could connect a dot to Paul Thomas Anderson. But that's really besides the point. What was the point? Yeah, I I, I don't know. 
it's a, it's a, there's definitely time. I like the movie, but it, there's definitely a lot of uncomfortable things happening. A lot of uncomfortable scenes between people that. Yeah. I, uh, and I like a lot of the, I like this movie. Let's yeah. Do you like this? You did. You said you like this movie. You went on record. I do like it. Yeah. I like this movie yes. too. I really like in the, some of the beginning things like when he goes into the par- department of power and light or whatever, you know, where he's working for and, there's all these people like I like how there's sequences in this movie that are very like procedural. And I like how um, it's kind of frenetic and it's very uh, Robert Altman-esque and like people talking over top of each other all the time and things like that. It's the only thing that I have his name attached to in my head is the Popeye movie. So I, I, I understand <laughs> what you're saying as far as that goes. I just didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, it's a thing for Altman. Um, it kind of like one of its zeniths is, did you watch the Prairie Home Companion film that he made? No. There's a lot of people talking over each other in that movie. And that was, I think that might have been the last film Robert Altman made. And um, because he was the age he was, insurance um, required him to have like an understudy director with him in case he could not complete the film due to extreme old age. Oh. And sure. the director that was working underneath him was Paul Thomas Anderson. And who was that again? <laughs> <laughs> so, unfortunately, when I think of this movie, and besides UHF, when I think of other references to this movie now that I've actually seen the movie, I, I don't like that the first one that pops in my head is a animated movie called Monsters and Aliens. And that's where the scene, I think there's the president is welcoming the aliens and he's doing the whole keyboard music thing but he ends up playing like the beverly hills cop theme song but it's like way over the top and stuff and i just i don't don't like that that's my first Hmm. thought of like other references to this movie but i know that there's other ones i know like uh after seeing the movie i was like wow independence day really drew a lot from this movie didn't it Hmm. Uh, with the again the flashing light um communication like the the rolling clouds in front of the U, the UFO. Batteries not included. Is batteries not included? Uh, I feel like that's. Uh, I think that's Amblin. I think it is Spielberg related. Is it really? It's like I. This movie makes me think of batteries not included. Yes. Yeah. That's definitely at the end with all of the. Yeah. You can imagine all of those spaceships like miniaturized and like oh yep there we go. Yeah, batteries not included is like a insignificant remake, like on a what? really small, not in, like I. That's a that's an extremely significant milestone in cinema, but um, it just <laughs> it's. I don't even know if you're joking anymore. Uh, I don't know either, but uh, there was a really great <laughs> short film um, that I think was a funnier die short film called Lords of the Synth that. Uh, obviously is a takeoff on a lot of different things, but it also reminded me really heavily of, uh, the, w- one of the, um, end sequences, uh, in this movie with the, the, um, sound, um, back and forth between the aliens and the, the guy at the synthesizer. Mm-hmm. But, um, so I'm going to say batteries not included was important to me. Cause that was like one of the first movies I saw as a teenager in the theater. It was like one of those movies that, you know, made you feel feelings. You're like, oh, I just I was just there for the the sci-fi stuff. And then I got I got feelings. Uh, So feelings manifested in you when you saw batteries not included before that. You were kind of like an automaton. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing before that. Saw Pinocchio in the theater. It's like, whatever. But then you saw batteries not included and you understood Pinocchio about like a wooden 
you know, lifeless thing becoming a real flesh and blood human boy. Yep. So batteries not included was your yep, Pinocchio yep. or you were the Pinocchio of batteries not included. Yeah. Cause I came to life at the end of it and you know, at the beginning it was just kind of wooden and, and like, I don't care about these old people in their diner. Speaking about old people that we don't care about, I had like a pretty strong emotional reaction to there's a sequence maybe about halfway through where, um, there's a whole bunch of people that are like up on that hillside or, um, yeah, I think it's a hillside right off that highway there, like with the signs that are kind of like waiting for the spaceships to appear and stuff. And <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I just, I really don't like any of those people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you don't like the people. No, I don't, I don't like them. I don't like their signs. I don't like that. They don't have anything better to be doing. <laughs> you know, like they, they let a, kid just running into the middle of a road in a mountain <laughs> yeah. curvy pass yeah what is that kid this is another thing so i like like i said before i like how this movie kind of veers into all these other things like there's some pretty when the kid is having you know when the aliens are messing around with that kid uh you know and all his toys are going bonkers and stuff like that you know it's i don't want to say it's like a horror it's a, i think it has it that plays that way yeah yeah a little bit especially when the mom gets involved yeah, well, yeah, she's horrible for sure. I want to talk about towards the end because I remember that better. <laughs> um, so there's like a weird cut. First of all, the spaceship, you know, they communicate back and forth with the synthesizer and the sounds. Then the spaceship opens up and they let out all these um, Navy and Air Force servicemen that had been abducted. And it's weird. They're, mm. they're all American and they're all servicemen, which seems very strange. Mm. I don't know if they're all American. I think the ones that we see like face to face, they're all in the American ones. But then at some point you see kind of like a backlit group of people. Mm-hmm. And as, and I was actually, last time I was watching it, I was kind of paying attention to that. And I saw some people that could have been like other nationalities, but they they weren't lighting their faces or anything. So you couldn't really... Okay. Couldn't really tell. So a bunch of Americans get off the ship. Other nationalities are back of the line. And then yeah. um, all of a sudden it just cuts to they're inside this um, room and this priest is like administering like last rites or give, so like praying for them or something. And they're all in red. They all. There are a bunch of people that are all in red jumpsuits, again, with an American flag strategically placed, a large American flag on their shoulder. Um, and there, yep. you see that they're like volunteers to go on this spaceship. And yep. I don't like that. It's really weird because also Richard Dreyfus is among them and he uh-huh. snuck onto the base. So it's unclear at how he, it's unclear how much time has passed. Like how did they have all these red jumpsuits? Cause when they come marching out, everybody has a duffel bag that's pre-packed. Uh, it's unclear how the, the aliens, how they communicated with the aliens that the aliens wanted to take people. Or how Richard Dreyfus's character, I keep saying Richard Dreyfus, the character's name is. <laughs> uh, is it Roy? Roy Neary. Yeah. So I don't know. It just seemed like. Yeah, I don't. I'm just listening to what you're saying because I don't really have an answer for a lot of that. I, I would guess the other people, I would guess that the government, the scientists, that they were preparing for all, con- all contingencies. Um, so I'm guessing there's things that we didn't see there might be like a you know a bunch of guns and cannons and missiles or whatever hiding somewhere just in case we needed them um, oh, i was thought you were gonna say but, that's uh, what their duffel bags were full of oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> so 
it's it doesn't seem too strange to me that there's a group of people that were prepared to go if that came about but the fact that that Roy just kind of jumps in there there's there's a one point when Roy is just kind of bewildered and walking around with everybody else in front of the ship mm-hmm. and the our our French guy like looks at him and like somehow seems to know that he's compelled I guess or something he's he's not like hey who are you he's just like Oh, well, you want to go, don't you? Well, I think, yeah. I mean, they had met earlier, if I remember right, because they were like in, because he tried to sneak onto the base or whatever and he got oh, that's right. detained. Sure. But I, I feel like I don't, I see, I don't remember well enough to remember what their encounter was like. It doesn't really matter. Who cares? <laughs> who cares? But it is funny how Roy does, no matter who knows him, the, the fact that he does just kind of wander in and everybody's so bewildered that they're just like, well, nobody's here who isn't supposed to be here so i guess sure yeah and retro now that you say that uh, wander that's kind of it makes sense like he kind of wanders through his life it feels like at the beginning of the movie like everything's really chaotic in that guy's life i feel like or or um maybe not chaotic necessarily but um kind of a scancer um you know it seems like he's a very um reactionary he just kind of reacts to whatever happens around him maybe everyone else is better off that he just goes <laughs> yeah probably i really like the music for this movie mm-hmm. i was amazed to find out that this is one of three scores that john williams had in 1977 there were three films released in 1977 that all had john williams scores i feel like that's pretty they crazy are. uh they are Close Encounters of the Third Kind, uh, Black CE3K. Yep, CE3K. Um, Black Sunday BS. Oh, weird! I don't know that one. Yeah, and um, it's like a terrorist. Uh, it's a movie about a terrorist plot. Uh, apparently, there was a terrorist plot to explode the Goodyear blimp during the Super Bowl in the late '60s or early '70s or something. So it's oh, a wow. movie about that. Uh, yeah, I've never seen it, but it, it, that BS sounds pretty good to me, though. <laughs> and then uh, Star Wars, 1977. Yeah, I know that one. Mm-hmm. SW. TPM. Excuse well, me, TMP. in 77, it was just SW. So do you have anything else to say about this movie? I don't know that I do, um, besides just that I like it, and there's a lot of lens flare, and it doesn't really... The effects look still okay, but you can definitely tell their effects. But there's something that's still just really satisfying about the visuals of the movie. It's charming. Yes. Have you had a close encounter of the third kind? Or for, do we want to tell people what the different encounter types are? I don't know if I remember them, but I have heard them. I've heard other podcasts talk about them. Okay, so the the oh. first quickly, the first kind is a visual sighting. The second kind is uh, a visual sighting that leaves a physical evidence, like uh, like um, like crop circles, crop like circles, or something like that. Um, and then the third kind of close encounter uh, is with where there is a UFO encounter with um, a creature present. So like a it can be like an alien or a robot or just something is there so i guess i was gonna say life force to life force but you just said robot so maybe not life force yeah i guess uh maybe it doesn't have to be life force although i think robots can well uh, um anyway i don't know 
I don't want to get into all that. But there are, so those are the original three kinds that, um, what's the guy's name that came up with those three kinds? But there have been other, more kinds added to that. He- Heineck? Is that the guy's well, name? How how far down the line did they go? Like fourth, fifth, oh, sixth? Oh, they go, <laughs> they go, I know we want to keep this PG, so I'll just briefly <laughs> mention that they go all the way to the seventh kind, which is no Ooh. no longer PG. <laughs> And seven being a number of completion, so I think that's good. <laughs> wow, uh, indeed. So, have you had a close encounter of the first, second, or third variety? Um, no, but as far as the first goes, I know there was one time we were sitting. This was back when I was a teenager and at home, and my dad was in the same room, and we had like this uh, sunroom uh, where the you know, the walls and part of the ceiling were all windows. And we actually saw something come like flaming across the sky. And no real explosions or anything like that. But I mean it wasn't just like northern lights. There was something actually so that was that was pretty cool. Not saying I knew what it was or, or that it was anything alien. Hmm. But but yeah, nothing like a actual flying saucer that I could not explain or anything like that. Okay. You? Uh, I have not. However, Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, swears that he has seen a UFO. So that's good enough for me. Oh, whatever. I don't know him. So I know who he is. I like going to defame his character. <laughs> well, thank you for that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think of other, um, you know, connections. I didn't really see much else as far as connective tissue between close encounters and uhf except for you know just the the actual reference well is uhf like were they just going for the reference or were they actually trying to say something about george as a character that you know if we if we look at roy as somebody who has has something a part of him or something that has been imprinted on him and he is kind of helpless and he is compelled to this thing and he just can't he's frustrated his life is falling apart because of this thing that he can't figure out and it and it all comes together at the end are are they actually trying to say something about george newman that he's this you know he's got imagination and he's frustrating the people around him until he figures out what he's supposed to do uh i don't know i would be really surprised if they were on purpose trying to say that this is the kind of character that george newman is but i can see Weird Al being drawn to because there definitely is a parallel, I think, between uh, George Newman and Roy Neary uh, in that regard. And so I can see him being drawn to that character. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe it was strategic, but uh, I, I would certainly buy it. It's not much of a stretch to see that. So George is drawn to the character. So maybe instead of the potatoes, he should have or maybe should have like shaped it into Roy Neary. <laughs> Remarkably, a lot less tears in the UHF version, though. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot less uh, potted plants being being thrown <laughs> through windows as well, which is kind of surprising because we see a lot of things thrown through the windows in this movie. Close Encounters or in UHF? UHF, both, I guess. Whatever. Yeah, there's a lot less potted plants. Oh man, can you imagine if Roy had made a sculpture of that uh, mountain out of uh, poodles and other animals? <laughs> well, if we don't have anything else, I was thinking that uh, maybe we should close it out by you and I trying to communicate through random music uh okay so i don't know i don't know what you're bringing to the table but i was just gonna throw a little i'll give you a little uh 
Does that do anything for you? C, E, three, which I don't know what the chord for three would be, and then K. I don't know what K would be either. <laughs> uh, dang it! I was trying to use the cat as an instrument. I don't think it produced. Uh, I don't know if you got any of that or not. <laughs> so I'll just. Uh, I guess I'll. Um, the only thing I have left to say to that is just wow. Can you do it faster? Alright. <laughs> Is that it? Is it just how, yeah. we're, is that how we're gonna <laughs>